Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul. How many of you remember the septic tank joke from Sunday? All right, Denny, that's yours now. He owns it, so you have to, you can use it, but Denny owns it. All right, it's Valentine's Day yesterday. A husband listening to his wife, she said to him, she said, I had a dream. And uh, it was on Valentine's morning in this dream, I dreamt that you gave me a pearl necklace. Uh, What do you think this means? And he said, you'll know tomorrow. So she was excited. Valentine's Day, she got up, and sure enough, there was a package there on the table. And she unwrapped it, and inside that... uh, package there was a book titled the meaning of dreams not a good thing all right i'm going to try again all right are you are you awake all right how many of you do not like to dust raise your hands you don't like to dust this is for you you can own this okay the bible says you come from dust you return to dust. So the reason you don't like to dust is because it could be somebody you know. That was better. All right. Okay. God's math. Let's go a little review. We're looking at uh, God in numbers in the Bible. And uh, sometimes these numbers are very, very significant to us, and we ought to pay attention. And a little review, Uh, number one deals with priority. Of course, God is to be number one. And uh, the little review there, it's found like 1,898 times in the Bible. Most of the time it has to do with priority and unity. Uh, The firstborn male was to be dedicated to the Lord. The first fruits were dedicated to the Lord. The tithe is supposed to be the first tenth that you give it's holy unto the Lord the Lord's day is the first day of the week and of course the first commandment is uh, thou shalt love the Lord your God so God's to be number one we we should know that you know I love this verse I've been uh, chewing on since uh, uh, I saw a, a sermon the other day I listened to and this was kind of one of the the, the premise of the sermon was John fifteen seven. Jesus said if you remain in me, my words remain in you. You can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done for you. And this is talking about oneness. This is talking about when you come into agreement with God, when your thoughts align with God, your heart aligns with God, you're in oneness with Him. So now the desires of your heart are actually from Him. And you can ask for things, and it will be done for you. What an awesome promise this is. Right here. How many of you have ever had an instantaneous answer to prayer? I mean, it was instantaneous, that it shocked you. You just prayed it, and then boom, the answer came. Well, what happened was you were in agreement 
with God's thoughts. You are in agreement with God's words in such agreement at that moment that it was given to you right then, probably even before you asked, but God answered your prayer. You were in perfect agreement with him. And this is what John 15, 7 says. So when God's number one, his will is more important than my will. His desire is more important than my desire. His, his heart is more important than, than my heart. And so this oneness with God is something that we must, we, must, we must agree with God on a daily basis. He's number one. Amen? Okay, God's math is one plus one equals one. That's the way God does math. Genesis 2.25. Man shall cleave to his wife and the two will become one flesh. There's, God wants us to have oneness with him. Oneness in marriage, if you're married, and he wants oneness in his church. And when that happens, there's incredible power that is released in the individual's lives, in the marriage life, as well as in the church when that oneness is achieved. And so that's something that all of us should be in agreement that we need to always be alert and be striving for oneness with God. Number two, number two by review is, is a, word, a number for a faithful witness or a testimony. And here's some of the examples. The Bible is a testimony of two witnesses, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus sent people out two by two to minister, uh, two by two to be a witness for him. Uh, the Ten Commandments were on two uh, stone tablets. There were two thieves at, uh, that witnessed the crucifixion. There were two angels at the resurrection as well as the ascension. Those were just, this is just a little review from what we've looked at so far. And then a couple of weeks ago, number three. Number three is a number that deals with fullness. It often is associated with the Trinity. God is full. God is complete in three. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. The three attributes of God. God's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He, he, he's fully complete in himself. There's nothing lacking in God. He doesn't need anything to complete him. We're created in three parts, the spirit, the soul, and the body. The tabernacle had three parts, which represents the way that man is created, with spirit, soul, and body. And the last three words of Jesus speak of completion. What were they? There you go. It is finished. That's right. So everything was complete. So number three has to do with completion or the number of Trinity. Now we're on number four. Okay. Number four has to do with creation or the world. And the creation is supposed to represent or display the creator. And so creation reveals the creator. It was on the fourth day in Genesis chapter 1 verse 4. 14. On the fourth day, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. What did he create on the first day? Light. So this light that God created was his glory. God is light in Psalm 27. God, he created light for the world, but it wasn't the sun, moon, and the stars until the fourth day. I thought that was kind of interesting. So the sun, moon, and the stars, he says in verse 14 of chapter 1, were to rule over the day and the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And so as a result of the sun, moon, and stars, we have seasons. We have tides on the earth. It's often mentioned that there are four corners of the earth, east, west, south, and north, and so forth. 
the four elements as you see earth wind fire that's not a that's not a rock group actually that's that's the bible okay the four soils in the in the parable of the sower do you know what they are let's start off with the good ground you know that one right okay there's good ground that's what you are you're good ground that when god puts his word in you you become fruitful and 30 60 100 fold return comes because you get the word of god in you name another one rocky soil okay it doesn't penetrate okay the seed doesn't go down inside what's another one what is it yeah the path and so forth could be hardened yeah and and the sandy and and things like that and and there was another one called the thorns the thorny you know the the seed was sown among thorns and the thorns grew up and it choked the word and that's the cares of this life you can go so, get so busy with this temporary life that even when the word of God is sown into you, it will not produce because the cares, you're consumed with cares and busyness and, and uh, you're distracted with all these things so that the word cannot produce the fruit that it's intended. So we've got to really guard the condition of our heart, especially when we come under the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. We've got to not be distracted. Leave your cares and your concerns out there. Amen? There are four divisions in the day, the morning, evening, and noon, and night. Jesus was the fourth man in the fire. Remember in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I mean the, uh, the uh, three Hebrew children and so forth. There were four gospels preached into all the world. And four represents the world or creation. And when you think about four gospels, I'm going to show you something. You may never have seen this before, but in Ezekiel chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 4, there were four cherub angels, four, and they, are, they had four faces. Remember, if you read that in Ezekiel 1 and in, in, in Revelation chapter 4, they had four faces. One had the face of a lion. One had the face of an ox. They had four faces. One had the face of a man. And one had the face of an eagle. Now these represent something very important. I think they represent the gospel that's going to go out to all of the world and reach all kinds of people. The book of Matthew, or the gospel, you know, there's only four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The word gospel means good news. It's about Jesus, okay, the life of Jesus. The book of Matthew is often called the lion gospel, and it talks about Jesus being the king. It talks about, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. He's from the, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. It shows his genealogy. And so Matthew's gospel, he, Jesus preaches a lot about the kingdom and so forth. And so the, the lion, or Matthew, is known as the lion gospel because it emphasizes the, the king and the dominion of the king. The second gospel is Mark. And Mark is often called the servant gospel because in this gospel... Jesus is portrayed as a servant. Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man did not come to serve, but to, uh, did not come to be served, but to serve 
And so we see an ox was a servant to man. An ox is a worker that serves man's purposes. And so you have the Matthew gospel, the lion gospel. You have the Mark gospel, which represents the ox, these, these faces of these angels. And then when you come to the book of Luke, it's interesting. The gospel of Luke talks more about the humanity of Jesus than any other gospel. It gives us details about his birth, details about uh, his childhood. It's the only one that talks about Jesus going into the temple at 12 years old and confounding the wise men. Uh, it gives us a lot of details about Mary and so forth. And so Luke represents humanity, and it shows us the human side of Jesus. And then you have the eagle, which would represent John's gospel. And John emphasizes the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus is God in the flesh, John 3, 16, and so forth like that. So he talks a lot about heaven. He talks about uh, Jesus being God in the flesh. And uh, so he clearly portrays Jesus as uh as heavenly or divine. And so when you see four, it's talking about covering the whole earth. It's talking about creation revealing the creator. And there happens to be four gospels. There, the cherubs were, had four faces, and these were their four faces, all representing or revealing the creator. Okay? And Jesus said this, he said in Matthew 24, 14, And this gospel, this gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's complete gospel, shall be preached into where? All the world, the four corners of the world, the earth, for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And so four represents creation. And it represents revealing the Creator. So the gospel is good news. It's good news about the kingdom. When we say the kingdom, if you're not familiar with that, that terminology, the kingdom of God, Jesus said, is among you. The domain of God. A king has a domain. A king has a dominion. A king has a place where he rules. A king has a government. And he has citizens. And the kingdom of God is nothing less than the invisible reality of God's dominion. The kingdom of God is within me. If you're born again, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is here in this church if we allow God to rule. Are you with me? Okay. So we're talking about the number four representing God being revealed throughout all of creation. I could go to so many places tonight with the number four, but I want to, I want to kind of hone in on one particular place tonight that I think will be very interesting for you. In the book of Genesis, it's interesting that there in creation, God says in Genesis chapter 2, look up there on the screen, it says, The Lord planted a garden in the east. He planted a garden. So he had created the world, but he planted a garden in the east part of the world. 
in Eden. And the word Eden there simply means pleasure or a delightful place. So there was a land of Eden, but then God planted a garden in the land of Eden. And if you read on, it says, and there he placed the man whom he formed. Now here's a point. When God created Adam, he didn't create him in the Garden of Eden. He created him in a land called Eden, a delightful place. But he then created, he planted a garden, and then he placed man in the garden afterwards. Are you with me so far? So he placed the man in whom he had formed out of the ground, the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. How long this took, we don't know. It, it, may, have been, it may have been hundreds of years, we don't know. But God created Adam, and then God planted a garden, and then eventually God put man in this garden. We don't know the time frame. We don't know the time frame. It's just an interesting thought. And so God made, uh, had, had every tree that was pleasant in sight and good for food grow here in this garden. This garden was like the kingdom of God. It's like an embassy. It's like the kingdom. Everything you needed was right there. You were protected. This was your place. This was your assignment. So the, the kingdom of God was like the Garden of Eden. It was a beautiful place. Everything you could have ever wanted was there. But now notice this. This is where we're going to get into number four. A river, everybody say a river, flowed out of Eden okay, to water the ground. And from there it parted and became four rivers. Okay. So let's go back and review so you can get this in your head. <clears throat> the Garden of Eden was like an embassy of the kingdom of God. Here's the whole earth. It's unpopulated. But here's the land called Eden. God created man, and then he placed him in this garden that he made. A, perfect, a garden is a, is, a, is a place that has design. It, there's, there, it may have a path. It, it, and of course... The Garden of Eden was, had, had everything in it that man could have ever wanted. You know the Bible says in 2 Peter that everything you need for life and godliness has been given to you already in Christ Jesus who lives inside you. You lack nothing. So you could say you have a Garden of Eden right here. Everything you need when you have Jesus in you is right here. You lack nothing. If you can believe that, if you, could just, if, if you could just feed on that understanding, I lack nothing. Everything I need is already in me. When I lack something, I need to first go here to find out how to get what I need because it's already here. It's in you. Nothing is lacking for the Christian. Not one thing. That's just amazing to me. So God says in Genesis there, were, there was a river, singular, a river, one river, and it becomes four rivers, okay? Now, let's look at this in verse 10. 
God specifically names the rivers. When God specifically names something, there's something for us to discover. So God begins to specific. He says the name of the first river is Pishon. Pishon. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It encompasses the land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Now, at that time, Adam and Eve wouldn't have known gold wouldn't have meant any more to them than dirt. But God's just pointing out that the gold here is, is really good. And the bdellium, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. He's naming these rivers. It encompasses the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. And it goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is called the Euphrates. That's interesting. This is very interesting when you, till you begin to discover there are four rivers that come from one river. And this one river has four rivers in it that we all need to have flowing in us and out of us as well. So when you look at the names of these, Let's take, for example, Pishon. Pishon means full or abundant. Fullness. Plenty. No lack. And I'll give you a scripture that Jesus said in John chapter 1, verse 16. He said, for out of his, his fullness, out of God's fullness, His abundance, we have all received and were supplied one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon blessing and favor upon favor and gift heaped upon heap. I love how the Amplified says that. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, full, abundant, no lack. This life has to, is to not to have any lack for you for what God has assigned for you. So an abundance. But then he goes on to say, the next river was called Gihon. And the Gihon River, the name Gihon actually means bursting forth, overflowing. So it's not just abundance. The second river is talking about overflowing. The banks would overflow. Didn't Jesus say in Psalm 23 that when the Lord is our shepherd, my cup overflows? More than enough. Not just enough. More than enough. Enough to give away, enough to help my neighbor, enough to, to do whatever needs to be done. I have not just enough, but I have more than enough. And Jesus said it this way in the Message Bible. He said, everyone who drinks of this water will get thirsty again. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Anyone who drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. The water that I give will be an artesian spring gushing fountains of endless life more than enough there is no lack so i just find that amazing here's two rivers so far one's abundant jesus said he wanted us to have abundant life and the second one is overflowing and then we come to the third river tigris and god specifically named this river tigris which means a swift arrow that's flying through the air to hit a target. 
And I call this purpose. God designed us to have the river of God in us branch out through our lives so that we have abundance, so that we have overflowing, so that we have divine purpose, divine assignments, assignments given to our life, like an arrow hitting the target. These are four rivers in this place where God planted man. And back then, you've got to realize that when the God created the earth, this was before the flood, when God created the earth, He put all the land in one place. And the sea was in one place. It's not like we have it today. So the land was all together. The sea was all together. You live on the land, you're going to have to live by a river. You would have to live by a river. So as civilization advanced and people, they had to live by the river or live by the sea. And so we see this, this is a type and a shadow of what God intends for us to be able to go out into all the world and make him known. Go into the four corners of the earth through these four rivers, through the, the Holy Spirit living in us. We have abundance. We have overflowing. We have purpose. We have assignments on our life, and we must hit the target. And God says in Ephesians 2.10, he says, where his workmanship, I shared this with you Sunday, created in Christ Jesus for good works. There are good works that are created for you to do. There are assignments created for you to do. There are people that you're supposed to meet. It may not be a big assignment like you think. It may be helping somebody do something that, that uh, may seem insignificant to you, but yet it's an assignment upon your life. It's for a season. Uh, I, I think Denny and I think Jean... I think you had an assignment upon your life, and you, you concurred that in, uh, at uh, Becky's memorial service. Part of your assignment you didn't know at the beginning was to live next to Becky and to Bob and befriend them, but part of your assignment was to be a helper to them. And, and you did that, and Buck and Libby and, and others as well. And that was part of your assignment. But now there's another assignment. You've got to find out what that is. What it, it may not be the same thing. It may be something else. But we all have assignments, and sometimes it's not the big things that we think that, you know, people are going to notice and so forth. Sometimes it's such a small thing that no one else sees you do but God. And in fact, probably most of those assignments are nobody sees you do these things but God. And then your motivation's correct. You're not trying to be seen. You're not trying to be noticed. You're not trying to get people to, to look at you. You know, it's stopping and helping somebody or whatever it may be. But, but this, this Tigris River emphasizes that there's purpose. It's like an arrow. with a, So Tigris means a purpose. You have an assignment. And then the, finally, the last river, the fourth river, is the Euph river Euphrates, which means fruitful. God wants us to be fruitful. He wants our lives while we're here to be fruitful, to bear much fruit that will remain, that will, that will affect eternity. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Or in other words, I am the river, you're the rivers. 
He that remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. So my only responsibility is to remain in him, be aware of him, be conscious of him, and be listening to him. And he gives me assignments on a daily basis that will come out. I mean, yesterday there was a, a couple of FedEx guys delivered some boxes here in the church, and I was scurrying around trying to find some tracks. I always try to at least hand them a track. They're usually in a hurry, and you can't take a lot of time to witness to them. But I want every person who steps on our campus to get some kind of witness about the Lord. Every, there should not be one person. I don't think we've done it 100%, but we should never let somebody step on our own property without give, at least giving them a track and say, when you have a moment, look at this. So that's why we're here. And so I, I couldn't find any, so I, I was just walking out the door with them, and, and, and you know, 30 seconds is all I've got. I'm just trying to tell them about the love of the Lord and how He loves them and how He proved His love for them and He died on the cross. Do you know that? And 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 And... The one guy wasn't sounded like he was all that interested, but he was respectful. But the other guy, I noticed his head spun around, and he turned, and he looked at me instantly when I started talking about the Lord. Do you know how much God loves you? And, the, he, and I don't know what that meant to him, but you don't know when you're on assignment from God, when you say something to somebody, when you stop to help somebody, when you say, may I pray? You don't know. You're not supposed to know. But I could tell something quickened in him. He turned and he looked at me strange. And I saw the look and I go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that was an assignment. As quick as it was, 30 seconds is all it took. But it was an assignment. You have assignments on your life. You have purpose Every day there's something. Every day. It may, you say, I don't get out of the house. Somebody will call on the phone. That's your assignment. Be sensitive. Let the Lord live through you. You will be fruitful when you just simply remain in Him and He is able to live His life through you. So God intends for our lives here to be four rivers. A river of abundance a river of overflowing, a river of purpose. We have assignments, a river of fruitfulness. Every day, every day. The river is in you. Is it flowing out of you? You're the kingdom of God. You're the garden of Eden that God planted. Is it flowing? out of you that's a yes or no answer thank you praise God it's interesting that Jesus said he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart shall flow plural not a river but rivers why? Because God's concerned about this world. He wants the gospel to go out into the four corners of the earth. And these rivers, these four rivers, are to come out of your heart and shall flow living water. He says, as the scripture has said, and he was referring to, and you can look this up tonight, Isaiah 58, 11, where God says, you are a well-watered garden. You. You're a well-watered garden. You, you already can be fruitful. 
You already have abundance. You don't lack anything. You are designed to be fruitful. You're a well-watered garden. And this is what Jesus was referring to. And I asked Michelle, and thank you, Michelle. You, you and Mel and Debbie did a great job, by the way. And what's the name of this group? What do you guys got? What's the name of your group? You got a name? You got to come up with a name. But it's taken from Psalm 46, which is one of my favorite psalms. That's the psalm that says, Be still and know that I'm God. And it talks about their storms and, and, and everything comes and all hell is breaking loose in the earth. Be still and know. And actually it means be relaxed. It means let go. Don't strive. Know that God's in control. God's in charge. And then it says in Psalm 46, 4, There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. How can a river, river streams make glad the city of God? When they're flowing where they're supposed to flow. When they're doing what they're supposed to do. When you see an abundance and you see an overflow and you see purpose and you have fruitfulness. That makes God's city glad. All of heaven rejoices when you have done what your assignment is for that day. Amen. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. Well, all this is very significant when you think of the number four. Because the way God designed us physically, we have... A heart, physically, that has four chambers. Yeah, your heart has four chambers. Ba-bump, 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 ba-bump. You can feel your, your, your pulse. And isn't it interesting that the great commandment that Jesus said is the greatest of all the commandments, if you, if you keep this one commandment, you've kept all the law and all the prophets. The great commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, so it must be different from the soul, and all of your strength, four things. God says, and he didn't fish there, he said, and love your neighbor as yourself. But I want to say something about that. The first thing is, is to love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, all of my mind, and all of my physical strength. That's my goal every day. That's my goal. God, I come to love you today. I don't come to try to love you today. God, I will love you. Like we were singing in that song, I will rejoice. Do you hear the strength in that? Hello, are you breathing? Yeah. If you say something like, I'm going to try to lose weight, guess what? You've already failed. I will lose weight. I am going to try to save money. You've already, you've already, you're already defeated. That's weak. You have to say, I will. I will rejoice in God. And then when you say this to God, God, I am going to love you today with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and all of my strength. 
That's where you start. That's where your day starts. That's your target. That's what your aim is. This is what I want to do. This is where I'm going. This is the most important thing I can do. If this is the greatest commandment, this is the most important thing I can do today is to love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind and my strength. And then Jesus added a second part. He said, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Now let me ask you something. Who's your neighbor? If you were here when Judy Elmore came, she preached a whole sermon on this. It was fantastic. And she made clear your neighbor is whoever God puts in front of you at that moment. Whoever is standing in front of you at that moment is your neighbor. You're my neighbor. I'm your neighbor. Now, it's very important you understand. Until your heart, you cannot love your neighbor as yourself until you first do this, until you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, because it'll come out perverted. It'll come out selfish. It'll come out wrong. It's not that you sit around and wait, but you make sure that what you're doing is first a love act to God. I'm, I'm loving you, God. And then you will love your neighbor. And they will see the love of God in you. So the, this is first. Before you can ever love your neighbor as yourself, you first got to love God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. All those, those four places. And then you can then you're capable of loving your neighbor. Otherwise, you may be doing something to get attention to yourself. You know, you stop to help somebody or whatever, and then and and maybe secretly in, in your mind you hope somebody's watching you from the church right now. Boy, I hope somebody from church is seeing me. Well, guess what? You weren't loving God. You were loving yourself. So number four has to do with God's creation to reveal the Creator. I don't understand all the significance of what I'm about to tell you, but there's something to it that I have not understood yet. When you see the number 444 over and over and over again, it could be that God's trying to get your attention about something. Okay? And yesterday, I went to the hospital uh, to see uh, Pamela Unrud and her husband has had surgery today, by the way, and is doing well and coming home tomorrow. And I just happened to look at my phone right before I walked in and saw her. It was 444. Four, four. I went, it's interesting because I've just been preparing this message on number four. I thought, that's not a coincidence, God. What are you trying to tell me here today, you know? And then today I come in here and i walking around praying for you and praying for the service tonight. Just I love coming in here on Wednesdays when nobody's here. I just walk around and pray. And uh, as soon as I sat back down at my desk, I looked at the time and it was 4, 4, 4. And what am I preaching on tonight? 4. I don't understand all the significance of that. But there's a message. So... Pay attention to the details when God is just trying to say, Hey, let me get your attention here. Okay, number four has to do with creation, the world, but it's always about revealing Him. And that could have been simply just God saying, See, I got your number. 
I got your number. Amen. Let's stand together and lift up our hands and bless the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Bless God with your voice. Just go ahead and start to bless God and praise him and thank him. That on the fourth day, he created the sun, the moon, and the stars also. And he set in motion the four seasons. He set in motion the tides. And he set in motion everything in creation that is to reveal him. There is a creator. Everything has design. Everything has purpose. Every creature has purpose. Everything is to reveal the greatness and the glory of God. Just lift your hands and praise Him. God, thank you. What a great creator. And ask God to remove any dullness of spirit, any sleepiness, a slothfulness that's keeping you from seeing the glory of God that's in His creation all around you. Now, Father, I pray for each one of us that the remainder of this week until the Lord's Day Sunday morning, that we will be supernaturally sensitive and conscious of the ways that you're communicating to us through your creation, whether it be a dragonfly comes and lands on us, whether it be a butterfly, whether it be a cardinal, whether it be something that we see that you just get our attention to, that we'll know you're talking to us through your creation. And we'll praise you for it. We'll not call it a coincidence. We'll thank you for it. And we look for divine assignments this week as we go out with the four rivers pouring out of us. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. God bless you. Love some people before you go home tonight. Amen.